didn't get into UCLA, should have paid our soccer coach more. Or gotten our assistant tennis coach to help you out, or gotten your parents to give a fat donation, or spoken to Josh Rebolds. Hello, everyone. Welcome to No Offense, one of the Daily Bruins' official opinion podcasts. My name is Keisha Vladi Media. I'm the Daily Bruins' opinion editor, and we are back for spring quarter. We actually intended to have a No Offense out finals week of winter quarter, but fate got the best of me, and basically we record a podcast, and then the file got corrupted. And it was sad because everybody else was on spring break except for me, so I couldn't really do much. But it's all right. That's in the past now. And speaking of things in the past, the college admission scandal isn't. Um, but before we do that, we have to bring in our lively crew, introduce all of them. Um, do you want to go, go around and tell everyone who you are? Uh, my name is Riley Barbarian. I'm an opinion columnist. I'm Avishek Shetty. I'm an opinion columnist, too. Yes, we have the big guns with us today. And it's a pretty big topic because they're well, not a lot of guns, but a lot of money involved. And I am running down a rabbit hole, but it's fine. Tuesday... It's fine. It's a Tuesday morning and the news just keeps coming in. Um, so if you guys don't know, the college admission scandal had happened. And, uh, basically here's like a, you know, Sparks Notes version of it. Um, and know that there are a lot of details out there that we're missing. And the Daily Brun has covered a lot of it. Lots of, lots of other newspapers have covered it too, but you know, read our stuff because we're cool. Um, anyways, here's the rundown. Federal prosecutors indicted about 50 people in March. Yes, week. Not week 10 of the quarter, last quarter, and it was painful. Um, well, mostly for them, though. And uh, basically, this also implicated a bunch of rich kids and their parents paying the university, uh, university's athletics coaches, and so UCLA, USC, uh, Yale, Georgetown, other universities are sort of implicated in this. And in UCLA, Jorge Salcedo, the men's soccer coach, now former men's soccer coach, um, was indicted for racketeering and uh prosecutors found that he um took about you know two hundred fifty thousand to about three hundred thousand dollars um in payments from two families once to get a uh a, a student on the women's soccer team even though she didn't really have a competitive soccer experience in fact she did horseback riding um Fun story. Um, and uh, the other one was to get an, uh, a student onto the men's soccer team um, in the current recruitment cycle. It's not so clear what happened to the students seeking admissions right now, but the other student has been identified as Lauren Isaacson by the Los Angeles Times and also by the Daily Bruin. She is a daughter of a wealthy real estate firm's president um, who I believe pled guilty to charges of, I think it's called mail fraud at this point, but, you know, red stains on their hands. And, you know, a lot of other people have sort of been falling out from this. Jorge Salcedo, the men's soccer coach, had to show up in federal court in Boston a month back. And uh, Los Angeles Times reported that he sold his $1 million house for $2 million to pay for legal fees. Shows you there's there are some issues with California's housing market right now. Exactly. Um, and uh, Lori Laughlin pled not guilty for paying her daughter's way into USC. I'm still confused why she decided to pay $500,000 to get her kid into USC. Like, is USC even worth that kind of education? I mean, USC jokes aside, there's been research that shows that, like, if you're a wealthy person and if you have a wealthy child who's going into an elite college, that doesn't really make much of a difference in their li- future life earnings. So I don't know why they did it. 
finally, last bit of the rundown. For the time being, UCLA didn't really make clear what it was going to do with Lauren Isaacson. Um, it kind of gave a blanket statement saying anybody who was found indicated this would have appropriate disciplinary measures, whether that means a slap on the wrist, a meeting with Gene Block, both, neither. Uh, well, it's anybody's guess these days. Not sure a meeting with Gene Block is a slap on the wrist. It's pretty much a privilege at this point. But turns out this isn't the only story in the college admission scandal. As we like to joke in the Daily Bruin, it's the gift that keeps giving. And there's a lot of giving that's happening. Um, Abhishek, do you want to give us the rundown of why the college admission scandal is actually just the tip of the iceberg, the creme de la creme, the cherry on top? So a little bit of history back uh, about a decade ago, I think UCLA Dental School, it turns out Daily Bruin did a really good investigation and found that in their emails, they were accepting students based on how much their families were donating to the dental school. And basically that became a national story. And, you know, you would have thought, you would have thought, okay, that was it. They solved that issue. UCLA fixed everything, but the similar issue ended up popping up again in 2014. So LA Times recently did an investigative story and they showed that UCLA knew of potential donations that a family had given for their child to be admitted into the track and field program as a UCLA student. And basically UCLA athletics members had solicited $100,000 in return for admitting the student. Now, According to LA Times, the athlete, one of the directors involved in the track and field program, he had allegedly written to Dan Grohl, the athletic director, that Josh Revolts, who for background is like number two in equivalent in the athletics department, that Josh Revolts had instructed him to admit the student because the family was donating. That's pretty a big, pretty much a big deal if it goes all the way to the top in the athletics department. And so it looks like basically these people were legally getting their kids to the same means that these other parents were illegally, illegally getting their kids into UCLA. So yeah, it isn't technically illegal, but there are UC, UC rules that prohibit this and they were clearly violating those. So what did the 2014 report, what did the 2014 investigation report end up finding and what did the university end up doing in result of that? So basically, the report created by William Comer, the director of UCLA's Administrative Policies and Compliance Office back in 2014. His report shows that UCLA knew of the allegations that parents were pledging donations to its athletic program for their children to be admitted. And basically, they determined that there was like no reasonable doubt that the contribution from the parents was basically a quid pro quo for the child to be admitted into the program. And so basically, the university felt that there needed to be more training, as it always suggests for all kinds of problems. You know, if there's problems with sexual harassment, more training. People being corrupt, more training. Well, this has sort of been escaping the news cycle because it's not as sort of high profile and celebrities aren't as, well, prominent in this case, I suppose. Yeah, you don't have the stars of Desperate Housewives and Full House doing bribery you know it's not a sexy scandal if some random anonymous person is doing it but it does it does sort of literally come from like a comic book almost um and one of the things that sort of you know los angeles times has been editorialized and the daily been editorialized about this too in an editorial um yeah of course you editorialize an editorial what am i saying but um it's that you know this is straight up corruption that like you literally paid your way for your kid to get in 
and administrators were sort of scrambling to get your kid into a program, even though, you know, these students weren't fast enough for the track and field team, that they were walk-on tennis players. It's just, wow. Historic athletics institution and paying your way to get your kids in. Um, with that being said, Riley, what do you think about all this? Well, I, for one, am very surprised that rich people are using their money to get their kids ahead in society. <laughs> Do explain. <laughs> uh, I mean, in all seriousness, like, is anyone, like, really surprised about this? This is, like, something we've known has been going on in society for years. And the fact that there's, like, actually rules against this and that what they've done is illegal in certain cases is the part that actually kind of surprises me. The question that a lot of people should be asking is, like, what should be done? Like, what are reparations in this case, if any? And I want to kick it to you, too. Like, what do you two think about that? Um, I think that... It's one thing to close these illegal loopholes that they have, but rich people have, like, again, completely legal avenues to get their kids into college, like standardized testing coaches, essay coaches, and the the state of California is now passing bills to try to reform the standardized testing process, but that's really just a band-aid because you can just pay to... it. The way that our standardized testing works now is like a game where you can get coaching to answer the questions better. So if you still get the coaching, you still have a massive leg up on people that can't afford it. So we need to really look at how we do standardized testing and how we do like the admissions process as a whole because it is completely biased to people with money. Yeah, just to go off Riley's point, there's kind of a strong correlation between income and standardized testing scores. People with high income score higher and people with low income can score fairly lower on standardized testing scores. So this college admission scandal that broke out in March was a case of a bunch of ultra-rich parents illegally bribing or questionably bribing soccer coaches to secure admission seats. But in 2014, UCLA found that like people were giving donations already and getting really strong recommendations from athletics officials to admit those people, which is like a softer but more insidious form of like basically bribery. So like, what do you think should be done to sort of address this, if anything at all? I mean, it's really just an iteration of the just buy a building lol manifested in real life. So I guess you really, I don't know, because I don't know how you stop people from giving donations to a university like you, they can always just claim it's like quote unquote charity or philanthropy. I mean, we have their name. We have names of people that donate to our university carved in Wilson Plaza. So I don't know how you can differentiate between people who give bribes to let their kids in and people that give donations to the university. Well, I mean, considering the fact that people in athletics were okay with just slaps on wrist, no one was fired apparently. Well, it looks like there's nothing we can do about it, and we should just let the rich screw us over. That is a rather pessimistic way of looking at this. It's the truth. Speaking of the truth, um, you know, Riley brought up a good point, which is that, like, you know, historically, the joke was, you want to get into Stanford, time to go donate a million dollars and get your name on a building. Um, there's actually, I believe, a movie called, like, Orange County or something that showed this one kid who really wanted to get into Stanford, did it because of some, like comical set of affairs and whatever and his dad basically summed like mustered up the money to buy a building in stanford in the end the guy ended up going to community college but because he fell in love with somebody else but you know sounds like a dumb movie it was pretty dumb 
I ended up watching it in my English class in high school, and I hated every minute of it. Except the funny parts. But anyways, um, you know, that sort of stereotype of, oh, you're a rich family, donate a, donate a building and you'll get your kid in. Like, what is it, what does it say that like this kind of stuff is also happening at a public university now? It, again, I'm not surprised at all. I, the only good thing about public universities is that they are supposedly accountable to the people so that you have a chance of reform. But it's, it is really haunting that it can happen here too. I guess. Yeah, I mean, private universities, they can do whatever they want. And really, they're free to take donations and admit admit rich students as quid pro quo. But when it happens at a public university, that's concerning. You know, like people usually say, oh, it's so expected that it happens all the time at every university. But having hard evidence is something else. What do we think UCLA will do in response to all this? I know in response to the immediate the immediate aftermath of the college admission scandal in March, Gene Block came out with a letter saying that UCLA, you know, was the victim in all this. Um, and, you know, Dan Guerrero, the athletics director, said they were going to look seriously, look at reforming the athletics admissions process, which for full transparency, the Daily Run editorial board expressed a lot of skepticism of that. What do you think is going to happen now that this sort of bombshell is broken out? I guess it's more of a silent bombshell since no one's really freaking out about it, except for the three of us. I think UCLA is going to do what it does best. Keep quiet and let it blow over. Yeah, we're going to release some statements and then do nothing. Actually, they did release the statement. Now the do nothing part is going to come next. <laughs> what the public can do is all six of the people who are going to Gene's Vlog's office hour this quarter need to all bring it up and get mad at him. And maybe that could change his mind the one time he gets to interact with normal students. Yeah, just fill his inbox with angry emails and maybe he'll like read them or something. I don't know. At him on Twitter as well. <laughs> at Chancellor Block, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, so. Time for us to start doing that. Anyway, I want to leave us all with one last question. How corrupt is UCLA on a scale of one to OMG? We may never know. Say strong, holy moly. <laughs> okay, I think we all can agree that Gene Block needs more donations. Or, sorry, uh, UCLA needs to stop its institutional bribery. We'll be back after a short break, everyone. Okay, so this past weekend, I was sitting on this, like, prospective UCLA student panel, whatever thing. And, like, I don't know why they decided it'd be a good idea for me to sit on it, but I sat on it anyways. Are you sure you don't know why it wasn't a good idea for them to invite you? I mean, I know why it wasn't a good idea. I don't know why they thought it was a good idea. But, you know, some people think I'm... Yeah, well, not to the in- save the introspection for later. Anyways, the point was, one kid raises their hand and goes, is the quarter system better than semester system? And I just chuckled in the corner, and everybody laughed afterwards. And they went, why are you laughing? And I went, Gene Block. And they were like, who's that? And I'm like, oh, oh, you poor children. You don't even know Gene. And really, the conversation could have came up how, if you haven't heard, you know, Chancellor Gene Block has voiced skepticism about the quarter system. That's a light way of putting it. He calls it a failed system. And he wants to move to the semester system. 
is this a pie in the sky proposal from the old man block? Well, I don't know. Who knows? But, you know, he brought it up. And so the conversation sort of re-energized anyways. And I wanted to talk about, do you guys think the court system should be replaced with a semester system? Start with you, Abhishek. I'm actually personally not really sure because I guess I personally do fine under the quota system, but I don't know about the other poor suffering children who I walk around every day. I don't know how they do. So, and I feel like semester system might be easier for them. So I don't know. Yeah, I think the semester system could be like a good way out of like that existential dread of knowing that there's midterms coming up two weeks, like every week of the year. And maybe we could stop getting those opinion comics that always have the kid looking up and seeing every step has the midterm final, midterm two again, because I've seen like three of those already. (laughs) For full transparency, those being published by our uh, editorial cartoon lead, Andrea, Andrea Grigsby. But you do have a point, Riley, that midterms are painful and that you don't really see many semester system school people complaining about midterms. Though, I mean, Berkeley complains about a lot of things, but also Berkeley's Berkeley. And I'm glad I'm not in Berkeley. Sorry, Berkeley. Is that because you didn't get in? I did. But we're not going to talk about my sorry college admissions because my parents didn't pay $500,000 for me to get in anywhere. Did they try talking to the athletic director? They didn't think I had athletic aptitude. But you know what else I don't have aptitude for? Apparently, studies, too. Because, you know, the quarter system has its benefits. And, wow, these self-deprecating jokes are sad. But, anyways, trashing me aside, the quarter system is is sad, but the semester system is also kind of sad, too. And there have been studies about how, like, you know, switching from immediately from the semester system or sorry, quarter system to the semester system results in lower graduation rates and lower first year grades, which is kind of natural because any kind of transition comes with that kind of inertia. But I mean, one of the things that people have brought up is that like, you know, they don't want their first year grades to be determined by four classes. Like they don't, their first quarter is really, usually really rough. And if you're stuck with the classes for 15 weeks and they're not good, you're toast. If your first quarter grades usually may not be as great great as you maybe have wanted them to because a lot of people come to ucla being straight a students and stuff and they realize that straight a's is like a one-way ticket to your dorm room and no way out at ucla or i guess your apartment building too but i think you meant the reverse way i don't even know what i'm saying anymore but you know personally i'm graduating don't change to a semester system right now like i remember five weeks into my first quarter at ucla i wanted to graduate and the quarter system has at least made me feel like I'm moving fast, even if I may not be. It also helped me take a bunch of classes that are unrelated to my major. And look at me now, the the uh, the cosmopolitan, learned person I am now. Um, any any final words? Well, I guess it's also important to think about that this university is not just for students. Students are a small part of it. It's about the professors and the research professors. Think about them. Think about their struggles. How will they manage with transition to semesters? What will happen to their research schedules? Yeah, what's going to happen to their quarter million dollar grants? What's going to happen to their $500,000 grants? Think about these questions, kids. Wow, these are so so many existential questions. Maybe we're in a sour mood. Maybe we're not. But you want to know one constant thing at UCLA? Rich people buying their way in. Even if it's a semester system. 
Anyway, friends, that's it for this week's No Offense Podcast. We'll be back next week with a lot of other drama that's going on because this campus continues to be the campus that keeps giving. We'll see you all around. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or listen on SoundCloud, or, you know, follow me on Twitter, I guess.